Welcome back to Pondsite, everyone. Uh, this is, of course, Carlo. And um, uh, today I am, of course, joined by my intrepid co-hosts, my rebellious co-hosts. Uh, hopefully they won't rebel too much on this episode. Uh, Chris, how you doing? Good. How you doing, Carlo? I'm doing all right. Uh, and Kurt, I was almost going to say Keef. Keef, <laughs> that's, that's not right. That's, it's Glup Shido. Uh, I, I want to be clear. Um, I'm not uh, part of the this uh, liberal rebellion. I myself uh, am a partisan uh, neo-revanchist, uh, neo-republican. Um, I believe that uh, the uh, Trade Federation uh, Wait, did nothing you wrong. You don't... You don't you, <laughs> You know, uh, no one, no one wants to own up to the fact that they're the human centrists Broadca- broadcasting from unceded Ewok land. <laughs> Pneumonia will rise again. <laughs> so, um, so if if you haven't figured out, folks, uh, we are going to be talking about uh, this new series um, on Disney Plus uh, called If Then. Oh no no I'm sorry. Um, the Glup Shido Chronicles. Uh, I'm sorry. It's and or. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> um. So yeah, we're gonna be uh, covering. Uh, this is gonna be part the first. Um. And uh, basically, we're gonna be covering. Uh, episode what is it, the- four. You mean. <laughs> episode four <laughs> yes yes because that makes a lot of sense um this is the fourth episode of our Andor podcast uh the first one of course um but in any case we're gonna be covering uh episodes one through six uh which should cover as i understand it these are uh designed uh and written in a way that it's three episodes provides like one sort of arc so that covers two arcs Yes. Although and no apparently, apparently they then kind of said, well, that was true for the first half of the season, but it might not be for this. But like, who, who cares? Honestly, yeah, um, it doesn't really that's matter. Nerd shit. Yes. That, frankly, yeah. the series has done a good job of getting away from. And I, I applaud them uh, immediately going back on what they said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you thought you, you believe me, a bunch of nerds. Yeah. Okay. Have fun with that. Um, yeah. So um, apparently uh, sort of like uh, helmed and um, uh, so far, everything, almost everything has been um, written by a Gilroy um, mm-hmm. <laughs> helmed by. T- uh, is it Tony Gilroy? Tony. Uh, yeah. Tony Gilroy. Mm-hmm. And uh, several of the um, the episodes have also been written by his brother, I believe. Right. Dan. Dan. Yeah. Dan right. Gilroy. Yes. That's right. Okay. All right. So um, he's. He's best known. It's worth saying um, he wrote the uh, the first three uh, Born movies, mm-hmm. uh, and then he also wrote and directed Michael Clayton and a few uh, a few other movies. His first movie um, that he wrote is actually quite funny. Uh, it is The Cutting Edge. Which mm, oh my god, the, yes. Yes. The romantic <laughs> comedy about the uh the hockey player the, and the figure skater. <laughs> <laughs> With uh is it wait, is it DB Sweeney? Shit. Yeah, I think that's his name, right? Uh hold on. The cutting edge DB Sweeney, yes. DB Sweeney yeah, and, and um, <laughs> DB Cooper right out of the plane and put on a pair of skates. <laughs> yes. Oh wait, this there's a film series called The Cutting Edge. Wait, what? 
<laughs> are you kidding? Moray Kelly, yes. Yeah. And DB Sweeney are the um they, they have a meet cute, I guess, uh, on the ice. And uh, you know, I think you can really feel the DNA of the cutting edge uh in Andor with all mm. of the figure skating sequences. That's right. <laughs> but man, you know, like that whole sequence on Ferrix uh where uh, they have to evade doing like triple lutzes yes. uh, like all the corpos. Yes. Uh yeah, it's interesting. Um anyway, so um so I guess we should probably just uh, get into this because this is. Well, uh, hold, go ahead. It, it, I, I think first, where are you like pre Andor? Where are you with Star Wars? Like, I think that's a, a good place to like set because <sighs> I think the reception to Andor is more impactful when you realize where you're coming from with it. And I'll, I'll start. I, I, I was pretty much done with Star Wars, which is insane to think because there you know i've it, it has been such a part of my life and it, you know i know understand this is coming off like that that they're the nerd crew on, on the red red letter media <laughs> but um it, yeah so like but like you know obviously disney has just completely run into the ground and and it's just been you know it's 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 a corporate product as it always been but even more so at least it was before it was you know a a my, tiny corporate um springing forth from one mind <laughs> like one guy um his artistic vision but disney has you know commodified it turned it into the marvel uh M marvel star wars and um but so i i was like not i i was resistant to even watching andor like you guys were bugging me and were like saying oh it's so good it's so good and i was just like yeah yeah i'm sure it is i'll get to it but it, it really is <laughs> so anyway that's where i, I, I was, was coming in, from i was in more or less the same situation so i I, I still haven't seen the third uh, of the new trilogy. I like I liked the first one, but I liked it in the way where it was like I, I liked it in the way of being, you know, 33 and mm. being like, I'm going to be stupid and buy and eat a big bowl of fruity pebbles <laughs> just by myself, you know, and doing that and being like, that was great. Um, but then I don't need to do that again. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I did watch uh, the next one because at the time I quite liked uh, what's his name? Our uh, what's his name? Ryan, the guy Ryan who did um, Last Jedi. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Ryan Rest. Thank you. Yeah. yeah Ryan Johnson. I. I quite liked him at the time. I have a bit more mixed feelings on him now. Mm -hmm. um, and I like, I don't know. I, this funny because the first time I saw that movie, I was very drunk and I quite liked it. And then I saw it sober and I was like, oh, this isn't, it's fine. <laughs> it isn't really much of anything. You, you watched it with beer goggles on. Oh, no. Yeah, literally. Yeah. I was like, whoa, this is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, and, and yeah. And then I didn't watch the third one. I did quite like the first season of The Mandalorian. Um, just because it was new. And then the second had a couple episodes that I liked, but it, to me, it boded very ominously that they were suddenly like every episode is a backdoor pilot for one of the 15 new Star Wars seasons, you know, series we're going to do. And I made, I watched one episode of the Boba Fett show and I was like, all right, so I'm done with this. So mm -hmm. yeah, Chris, I was in the same spot where you were. I was like, mm -hmm. I, I think the last thing that I had watched or read or played before uh andor was um the force unleashed i went back to replay that the deeply oh. stupid stupid game yeah um, but uh, <laughs> but it is fun it is fun um, yeah. and i was kind of like oh, i remember when star wars was like stupid but in a fun stupid way <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i was very much in the same spot as you chris okay so 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that um, I've probably and I think I, I, I mentioned uh, probably uh, to to you, Chris. Um, I'd mentioned this uh, offline or in another conversation um, before, but I think that it's been decades for me since anything Star Wars related has really, really sort of uh, sparked like a a desire for me to go and actively pursue it right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so you know I, I saw the force awakens and that seemed cool like i let me put it to you this way um the 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 prequels i i i can't get on board with like the the reevaluation you mm-hmm. know the, the recent reevaluation because i saw them when they were when they were out um yeah there i i had no sort of like um childhood atta- attachment to them so i i I cannot really uh, see them through like uh, like the rose colored glasses that um, sometimes you get to watch stuff that you that you saw as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, like like yeah, uh, oh yeah. yeah, like honestly, like I, I like, like I, me and Hook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like uh, Hook is is a good example. Or The Goonies is a bad mm. like it's a it's a chintzy bad. Yeah movie that that leans a little too much on a lot of different things that are not so great but you know i had a connection with it because i saw it when i was an adolescent and you know that that was sort of cool you know you Mm -hmm. got to see sort of like a i don't know something that had sort of like these weird looney tunes logic to certain things but anyway do you mean goonies or the prequels (laughs) Uh, well i'm comparing i'm comparing the goonies to do that yes yeah Uh, so so the prequels in in retrospect after like the initial disappointment passed um you know i i sort of thought about it i haven't reevaluated them into positive mostly i was bored for long stretches Mm. and but you can sort of see where you know, they were trying to do something and at least it was something new. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas uh, I think that the, uh, the, the sequel trilogy all felt like rehashes of um, and even the most, you know, the quote, most interesting of them, which is the last Jedi, it, you know, Johnson spends so much tr- time sort of like trying to point at uh, original trilogy stuff to go, oh, you thought that was cool? Mm-hmm. Well, well, suck it, nerds. Yeah. yeah. Let me subvert that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, you know, you could have spent all this time just making a movie. I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a weird Twitter argument that you're having on screen with somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It got, Which, yeah, Star Wars had wound yeah. up feeling like it was in dialogue with itself too much. And it yes. was very, it got very boring. And I, yeah. this, just in terms of like, I don't, I don't care about Star Wars enough to to watch a movie that is a two hour meta commentary on Star Wars, mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I I need I need I need some blood and guts. There needs <laughs> to be some meat on the bone. You can't just be like, imagine, isn't it weird that we eat animals, man? Like you need to actually <laughs> give me a piece of steak too. Yep, yep, yeah. I mean, so 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 when when the uh, move happened towards the TV shows, like uh, I sort of Im- just imagined that this was just sort of like, well, I guess we're just going to watch uh star wars on tv yeah um, and, and <laughs> I, I mean it, it, it was concertedly a retreat I, I, yes. I, I, absolutely and so you know like i like like yourself kurt um i think the the first couple of episodes of the mandalorian seemed promising but as even the first season went on the more i realized that you know it, it seemed like like i think i, I expressed this as the cold open 
you know, before the title card happens usually feels like a much more interesting story than the <laughs> yes. actual episode. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, well, why don't we watch that one? <laughs> and also, I, I, I was sort of hoping that they would do like a complete man with no name type of thing. And the Mandalorian never spoke, never yes, took off his helmet. Same. But but I also understood that, you know, Disney was never they're, they're too much cowards to, to really pull, <laughs> try to pull that off. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the fans wouldn't allow it. Um, so anyway, the, all of that is to say that Andor is possibly the most excited I've ever been <laughs> as an adult for a Star Wars property. Yeah. In decades. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Although, wouldn't it be funny if we spent 15 minutes talking about that and then we were like, so that's why none of us watched Andor. Uh, we, we're done with Star Wars, so we're just going to talk about it. But no, no, I, I agree completely. It's It actually um, well, it is that, that would genuine be genuine different direction. That would be Star that Wars. would be like uh, the grandfather from the Lost Boys uh, move, right? That's as far, <laughs> that's as close to town as I like to get. <laughs> There's one thing I can't stand about Mos Eisley: it's all these goddamn Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> Just just sitting in the, in the speeder, just sort of like running it. Watching them doing like, you know, spin flips and stuff in the background. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so so um so so like this show about a an almost throwaway character that was in Rogue One, which itself is almost a throwaway movie, mm -hmm. uh, also sort of uh, partially um rewritten by Tony Gilroy. Right. Um you know, uh, played by Diego Luna, who is a a honestly like he should be bigger than he is mm -hmm. um, in yeah. in the I would say in the U.S. market. I think um, now I, I th so. So have you rewatched Rogue One since watching Andor? Mm -mm. I have not. I, I, I know that you did. You did yes. just recently. Yeah. And I, I one of the biggest things that stood out to me is that uh, Diego Luna is like acting on a whole other level in this um in andor i mean and i don't know if it like it does feel like like the same character mm. um but i i don't know if it's be if it's because of the process or the directing or you know the material or 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 you know it's also been a few years i i don't know but uh his his acting is like it it was it was like pretty good in 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 rogue one but by no means like mm -hmm. you know a, a super memorable performance so i was definitely skeptical going in about you know hanging a whole series on this what you would you were you know rightly described as a throwaway character although i i did like that movie the best mm -hmm. out of the the more recent star wars yeah it, it's it still had a lot of it it, it had a lot of problems but i mm -hmm. i feel like to my surprise the, the you know the series managed to it almost like takes another crack at all the stuff that I kind of that that made Rogue One like kind of memorable to me, mm -hmm. and it 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 threw away all of the chaff yes. and just kept the good stuff and kind of redid it in like mm -hmm. a better attempt and really mm -hmm. cleaned it up and it just mm -hmm. it it felt kind of like watching um like Evil Dead One versus Evil Dead Two. 
mm. where it's like, you yeah. know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, okay, we know what we're, we actually know what we're doing now. We don't need mm. to use a cardboard cutout of the moon anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think the, the, dis, the difference in acting, uh, like apparent skill, it, it was definitely like, uh, some sort of choice by Luna because he, you know, like he's obviously a good actor. Like I, I, I first saw him in the E2 Mama Tambien and he's just, he's such him and, uh, uh, the, um, oh, I can't remember the Gabriel the, Garcia Bernal. That, that's right. Yeah, they, there's there's so so good in that movie, and like he's um, great. He's yeah. great. By the way, I yeah, don't want to yeah. see him in Star Wars, but he is great. He's yes, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I I, I think he was pro- he probably was like you know dogging it for just for the check for Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the- well, I mean, I I also wonder because um so much of that movie was uh, reshot. Yes. I yeah. wonder how much, uh, yeah. like even the fatigue of just having, okay, mm-hmm. I, I got to redo this fucking scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I, you know, I think that's absolutely, there, there's that movie. You can, t- you can tell it's like split in half. Like there's like, there's, yeah. you can see the seams. Well, I mean that, I think that the, 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 the problems that I have in rogue one generally, I mean, there, there's two main ones, right? It's, it's generally, um, Jin Urso is just not really, that interesting a character mm-hmm. sadly mm-hmm. yeah and uh and th- the movie sort of uh wants to have her carry it mm-hmm. um and secondly like uh stuff like you know like like the vader scene at the end really cool obviously fan service kind of breaks the continuity uh, like not I, I don't care about the continuity as much as like, so you're just going to try to stitch this so closely to the beginning uh, of yeah. A New Hope yeah. Well, that, yeah, that it doesn't really make any sense anymore because mm-hmm. like then you've broken how the new, uh, like the, the whole idea that, uh, that Leia had sort of like a plot, at least a plausible deniability of saying like, yeah, we're on a diplomatic mission mm-hmm. when you have Vader, like looking at the ship as it's leaving after he's murderized like 30 people. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You know, the, the, so I, I could go back and forth on the Vader scene, but it does it and shifting into talking more about Andor. Um, it is emblematic of something that star Wars has relied upon in the years since the original um, trilogy came out that Andor really doesn't. Yeah. It sort of shoes uh, that yeah, you remember, well, it, you remember when you remember when Darth Vader did that ex- thing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, what are the point? It is. And the thing that I think is the strongest thing and the most different thing about Andor that struck me from the very beginning is it is it doesn't self-consciously show you Star Wars flashcards mm. yeah, to be like, mm-hmm. care about this because it's Star Wars, you know, mm-hmm. and from from whether it's the prequels or the sequels or most of most, but not all of the expanded universe or, or you know, the, everything would always eventually get back around to, oh, Oh, here's Palpatine. Here's Darth Vader. Here's mm. all the people you liked. Care about this story because here's these people yeah. um, that you remember. Here's Luke Skywalker. Here he comes again. You know this is an important story because Luke Skywalker is right there. And 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 Rogue One does this. Han Solo is entirely this. Um, and it, it it creates a related problem, which uh, I was. Very happy to see Andor thread the needle on and avoid, which I refer to mentally as the Dash Rendar problem. <laughs> um, are any of you, are either of you familiar with Dash Rendar? 
Yes. Star Wars. Isn't, isn't, isn't he like the, the, the bounty hunter that has like a big diaper on his head? Yes. No, 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 no. That's no, the, no, 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 no. That's, um, yeah. that's, uh, Dengar. Right? You're thinking yeah, of Den- Dengar. Dengar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. He does mind. have a big diaper on his head. No, <laughs> he does. Yeah. Um, Dash Rendar is the, uh, the, the legally distinct from Han Solo character from yes. Shadows of the Empire. Yeah. He's, he's Han ah. Solo updated for 1995. Mm-hmm. And he's a little bit cooler. He's a little bit edgier. Yeah. But he, and he he flies a ship that looks almost exactly like the Millennium Falcon, but very slightly different. He's oh, got ro- he's got like a he's got oh, a God. best friend robot. He's, he, he's like he's like uh, in Street Fighter. He's da- he's he's Dan he's, to yes, uh, Ryu. Yes. He's, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. You, he's Dan you know what I'm just realizing? He he looks like a Rob Liefeld character. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he has a lot of pouches and he yeah. has those, those weird, those weird oh, So yeah, so like yeah, you know, mid nineties Han Solo is definitely like that's exactly what he is. And, well, and I, the, the I, issue is well, well real, real quick the the issue that Star Wars keeps running into mm-hmm. is they would create characters that are that are along the lines of Dash Rendar, a character that you recognize but just a little bit different. Like mm-hmm. the Mandalorian is about Boba Fett, but they're like he, but he's not Boba Fett. He's he's a different guy. Who dresses yeah. the exact same and does all the same stuff, but it's not Boba Fett. In fact, here's here's Boba Fett. See, they're on mm-hmm. screen at the same time. It's not him. It's a different guy. But but you're basically still watching it, you know. So y- you know the expanded universe is filled with characters who are who are like Luke Skywalker, but they're not Luke Skywalker. It's yeah, it's, you know, a guy who looks very similar, but it's not him. Don't worry. Yeah, um, and, 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 and the other one is, is Luke with uh, two U's. With two U's. Luke. Yes, yes. And, and Andor finally gets away from that and manages, you know, finally twenty minutes in, shifting to actually talking about Andor. Mm. Um, not that I'm complaining. I could go on and on about, yeah, yeah, yeah. about Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but, l- let's let's face it. Let's face it. Like Star Wars has a lot of fucking baggage to it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And this just says, you know what? We're going to leave all our baggage at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to show you the Empire. We're not going to show you stormtroopers at first. We're not going to show you Darth Vader. Palpatine's not going to show up. It's not going to be an R two unit. Oh, by the way, that was the that was the the roughest scenes. In Rogue One is when like uh, R2D2 and C3PO are just standing there going, well, this is a strange adventure. I wonder what's going on here. It's like, oh, God, no, no, get them out of here. And Andor finally gets away from that. And it's like, you know what? Maybe Star Wars is just an maybe like an industrial, you know, space opera setting that's Mm -hmm. like post, you know, like post-collapse of a of a stellar republic maybe that's just an interesting setting and there's other stories we can tell that don't directly involve this one guy mm-hmm. and his one yeah. magic sword yeah um and so from top to the bottom you know i was i was really happy to see it to see a, a show that was you know confident enough in itself to be like you know what we can just make up a new guy that you don't know from a planet you don't care about He's not a Jedi. He doesn't have a lightsaber. Mm. You know, there's not a Star Destroyer in the first scene. And just tell an interesting story that's and, completely different. And, 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 Andor definitely always shoots first. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's just squirrely and, and suspicious enough that he always shoots first. Mm-hmm. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So, yeah. And, and let's not forget that the, like the opening scene is like basically him going through the Star Wars equivalent of red light district, mm-hmm. um, yes. which, again, which we finally uh, like, oh, uh, there, there's lots of, um, Lots of references to people having babies, but no one ever really sort of fucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And it, yeah. In that first arc, uh, the, you know, the, the, the junkyard, um, uh, 
what's his face uh, uh you know his, his friend or whatever there's like you know they explicitly like have sex like it's not like when i say explicitly i don't oh, mean, you mean the, uh tim with two m's yes that's right yes tim tim uh, but like <laughs> it's funny that, that there's just a guy in star wars named yes, tim it's like tim. well this is this is my friend glup his friend keeve uh his other friend uh rinto and this is tim tim <laughs> it's kind <laughs> of a weird name i know yeah but but, but like the show makes no bones that they you know that they were sleeping together and like which no is bones. like it's yeah <laughs> it, <laughs> um yeah, but yeah, like yeah. it's which is it's I, I think it's unique in star wars like it's that it's that explicitly called out that you know you know these people are having sex <laughs> like yeah and and the fact that there's well it's it, it's funny because um Star Wars has this issue where like crime and drugs clearly exist in mm. in the abstract mm-hmm. like like Death sticks and yeah yeah exactly and, and so, spice and spice, spice yeah. yeah you know there's spice mines and and people are doing like, like there's you know what does Jabba do he seems to be a crime lord but of what crime exactly Right, like, yeah. it, does he it, does, insurance does he manage fraud. sex workers? Does he run <laughs> drugs? Yeah, exactly. He <laughs> just, he mostly just seems to hang out with the baddest dudes around yeah. and have a big party. Um, and and this actually kind of goes back and kind of shades in around the edges of the story and says, okay, well, what would and to, it was to something that will become a theme in in this series. It goes, okay, well, what does that imply? If there are, mm. if there is crime in Star Wars, what would that crime look like? Or, mm. you know, what, or, or, um, and it's, it's funny because they basically say, okay, well, sex work is illegal in, uh, the pre more corporate zone. Um, but it's kind of tolerated. You know, we kind of, we, we kind of ignore the fact that, that it exists, but it, but it then asks the question, okay, well, who would be a sex worker? In Star Wars, who would patronize a brothel in Star mm-hmm. Wars? What would the relationship between the brothel and the police look like? What would police look like in Star Wars? How would they operate in Star Wars? What would, you know, who would be a police officer? And, and this is like all this stuff that it focuses on that, um, the, the movies and most other stuff devotes like six seconds to. And it's like, okay, here's a recognizable character. Here's your two heroes. Um, Maybe they came from somewhere. Han Solo starts out as a criminal, but like, what does he smuggle? Does he smuggle drugs? Mm-hmm. Oh, who knows? It doesn't yeah. matter. He, he's a smuggler, but now he's Han Solo, mm-hmm. you know? And, and this actually lets people kind of embody their backgrounds and who, and, and like be a character that can kind of live and breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like it has some, some permanence and then builds a whole story around it that I, I think as we have been kind of talking about before is just like, just much better and much more engaging and much much more adult Mm -hmm. and not 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 just in the way of having like sex and drugs and and guns and stuff but in the sense of like it feels like a real story it feels like an actual plot instead of just like here's all your favorite action figures smashing together Mm -hmm. in new configurations well Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think that the the issue is that once you start uh dealing with these smaller characters um in in the way that this um show seems to be interested in doing what it ends up doing is making the rest of you know like the the setting feels much more lived in yeah it feels like 
realistic in a way like i know yes it's a galaxy long long ago in a galaxy far far away but you know it's i think it's the the same thing that uh you know all the scolds love to say about like you know something like game of thrones is like well Mm. why did you have to make it realistic with violence if you got dragons like fucker you got to make something like feel like a human experience otherwise then what do i have to connect with Mm -hmm. you know and so so like we get the scene where he's at the 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 brothel asking about a girl a girl that he'd gotten a lead on that is from canary there mm-hmm. and it's not immediately made apparent but he you know like why he's asking about that um and then slowly as the scene starts to develop and he becomes like like weirdly these two um these two characters on the other side of the bar uh in and everyone like there's a uh also let me point out that the vast majority of the players in the show seem to be human so across the bar instead of having the two weirdos from uh from the most Eisley cantina <laughs> You know, accosting, accosting him like, you know, and there's a bat headed guy and whatever. (laughs) Um, it's, it's two, you know, like corpulent, um, like security guys who are like, uh, you know, we don't like the look of you. Oh, that's a hard look from someone as small as you are. Mm -hmm. And they just start like, like weirdly start harassing him for. No reason. <laughs> and of course, to, to your earlier comment, Kurt, you know, like this, you find out later on that they're, they're not really even cops, cops. They're like corporate security yeah. uh, guys, which I guess, you know, in a corporate sector, like uh, the, the, the pre-more corporate zone, um, yeah. corporate zone would be the cops there. <laughs> but, but like in, in real world terminology, these are like mall cops, basically. Um, and, and it, to your earlier comment regarding you know, like well what would cops uh, act like and here you go this is exactly yeah. what they would act like they would act like they're they're lords lordlings that somehow have um sort of like ownership of a place that they're not even really welcome in mm-hmm. um and and later on uh when <laughs> when the senior when the senior security guy uh reports you know basically you know like like you said like we they were they were in a they were in a, in a brothel that we're we're not supposed to permit <laughs> that is not legal and you know and, and doing all the stuff that they're not supposed to do actually so there's two points i want to make one is the the weird alien lunkheads uh are uh Panda baba and dr evason from uh from the original star wars who who just so happen have also have little cameos in rogue one in rogue one yes where where they just randomly bump into someone and go oh it's me the guy you remember from star wars (laughs) i don't like you very much but i'm in a hurry (laughs) but but um this is something that only just occurred to me now when you pointed out that most of the characters we see are humans you know who's not human is a lot of the sex workers at the brothel Mm -hmm. um and and that's something that um I, i think it's come up in star wars media before but it's always kind of danced around which is that the empire is clearly a a a a human supremacist patriarchal fascist empire right Mm -hmm. like it's it's patterned on that explicitly it's explicitly patterned on the nazis there's always been an assumed aspect of race science um you know hit uh the the backstory of chewbacca was always that you know he was a slave 
who Han Solo helped liberate um, in the EU novels. You know, they're much more overtly human supremacist, but it's typically danced around because mm-hmm. it's kind of an uncomfortable subject. So, like, it, it like it, it, it'll come up and you'll see the implications of it, but but they don't really grapple. They don't really grapple with like, well, what does that mean in terms of how the society is stratified? What does it actually look like in practice? Mm-hmm. Like, how would how would you know human speciesist? I, I guess humans act. You know, what would their society look like? Um, well, and and I I would say that that um, stratification um, you do see a lot more uh, sort of like aliens, but in the background of Ferrex, yes. um, which is uh, for all intents and purposes like a very sort of um, working class, yeah, uh, space uh, Pittsburgh. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. With with uh, with an amazing um, instead of a cathedral of um, uh, uh, yeah, like a cathedral ringing bells for the hours, uh, you have an actual <laughs> strong time, guy. The time grappler. It's his yes. Time grappler. <laughs> is that his? Is that his type? That's, that's, is that that's his title? title is the time grappler. Yes. <laughs> uh, my, fa- my father was a time grappler, and I am a time grappler, and my son will be a time grappler too. God help me. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Good thing because you know Good like all job. the all the all the space baristas that uh, work all the the bars uh in ferrex those aren't real workers but the time <laughs> really grappler because class, he's wielding though. he's wielding mm. a, a hammer he is truly working class we know it because he has hammers um <laughs> shit <laughs> i'm pissing myself off my like is just saying that um but yeah, like, so, so I guess back to, um, the, the pre more, uh, corporate zone, um, by the time, uh, you know, like, uh, and or realizes that, you know, he's, he's reached a dead end. Um, he takes off and, uh, basically is accosted by the same two fucking dipshits who ha- just can't let it go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so as it turns out, um, you know, basically they try to extort money out of him. Um, and in the process, in the scuffle, uh, you know, he kills one by accident and the other one, uh, realizes, you know, and steals the other one's blaster and the other one realizes that, uh, you know, oh, he's killed him. And, you know, he, he realizes sort of like the full enormity of just how mm-hmm. fucked he is and starts to sort of beg and negotiate with Andor and Andor just fucking shoots him right in the fucking face. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we could go in together and report it and blah, blah, blah. He and tripped. Basically- he tripped. It's fine. It's totally chill. He just tripped and hit his head, at- which I- he did. Honestly, mm-hmm. like, like yes, he, he wasn't did. out to, to kill him, which is, which is an interesting twist. Like, but at the same time, as you say, it's, 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 uh, it's really like, it's a redo of a scene that set up the character in Rogue One where he ices his informant, um, because like the stormtroopers, you know, get, you know, find out uh, that they're up to something and his informant's like, well, I can't climb out of here. Mm, yeah. uh, and, and so he just shoots him and, and leaves him. And it's a lot. What I have to admit, I was a little bit wary when uh, when that scene was going on. Because I was like, oh, is this going to be like this ain't your grandpappy's Star Wars? Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually very much is my grandpappy's Star Wars. I think my grand I think my grandpappy would, would probably enjoy this a lot more than he would have enjoyed, you know, mm. The Last Jedi, uh, honestly. Um, but but it's it's not the the. 
the, the series from that point on, I would say, is not really self-conscious about setting itself apart. It's just like a little bit too um, it, it's it's much less of a character beat and much more of an inciting incident because that's really mm-hmm. driving everything that happens subsequently. Whereas in, in Rogue One, that's just a little throwaway scene to be like, yeah. look, he shoots yeah. people. He shoots first. Yeah, I, I, I think that the, the interesting thing here is that um, it doesn't feel like an inciting incident. Uh, in part because uh, as as it's as has been sort of um, shown in previous Star Wars properties, starting from the original trilogy until, you know, they decided to do the special editions and all that shit. Um, you know, generally life is a little cheap, right? Uh, it, it's it's, you know, like in the seedier parts of of the Star Wars galaxy, uh, life is cheap. You know, you can you know, die by a blaster, uh, you know, very quickly. Um and it it isn't until <laughs> we get one of the best <laughs> one of the best characters uh in the entire series to become the actual uh person who moves the plot uh Cyril uh, deputy uh security in uh inspector Cyril Karn mm-hmm. who if no one's watched this yet and you're listening to this episode stop right now go watch it at least the first episode it's so (laughs) this is the scene that is that kills me it's so fucking funny um but also Cyril Karn is if you needed to get a uh, like an idea of who he is he's Dwight Schrute if he were completely like the 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 uh, the people from the office didn't care about trying to make him likable this is who Dwight Schrute would become yeah. Uh, you know, like I, I love the line about like the, have you modified your uniform? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so it, good. It's, it's great. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so, um, again, to, it's, it's the first time I, for by and large that, um, a, a villain has really in, in Star Wars has been a character that really, is a fully fleshed out character. Like there's been characters that have little, little quirks to them, you know, like the, that, that red haired guy from, uh, from Hux is like, kind of has a little bit of a plot to himself and Uh, Kylo Ren a little bit has a plot to himself kind of, but like they're, they're, you know, they're, they're basically just action figure bad guys. Whereas, Cyril Karn is a character who's like a fully written out character. And it's like, uh, again, well, who would be a who, who would be a dickhead cop in Star Wars? And it's this guy. He he clearly wishes he was in the Empire. He wishes he was more important. He has the smallest, tiniest little piece of fascist power, and he's going to try to do the absolute most that he can with it. <laughs> it's, it's so great because you I am positive that anyone who's worked in an office has met a serial card. Yeah, this is the guy. You know, this would be the person in your office who reports uh, uh, who who's left their uh, lunch in the uh, in the, <laughs> com- you know, the the company uh, refrigerator past you know like the Thursday or Friday that it's supposed to be cleaned out or something. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, um, he, he he's the kind of guy who would be like wake up in uh, Kafka's The Trial and be and like have fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
what? I, you don't have the files uh, <laughs> as to what crimes you've done? That sounds delightful. <laughs> sir, the, yeah, sir, the, the, the machine that, uh, that inscribes your crime hundreds of times burning it into your skin is, is working at 10% reduced efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But- yeah. He's, he's a, he's a terrific character. And as the so goes on, and just grinds him down into the ground, making him shittier and shittier and more and more pathetic and out of his depth becomes both funnier and like more ominous. Like, um, I, I, I like, you know, th- through the course of the first six episodes, we see him, you know, try to do the right thing, sort of like insofar as you know what what he understands his job to be and everyone around him is wise enough to know that that's their their job really isn't to be paragons of justice like he thinks he's judge dread essentially <laughs> and yeah. he's he's in you know a very non-judge dread setting everyone else mm-hmm. just kind of wants to punch the clock and mm-hmm. get on with their lives and say well we don't want our crime statistics to look bad. So we're just going to cover this up and say they died rescuing someone or something stupid. Like oh that. God, that, that, that is that whole speech where the senior, uh, his senior um, security officer is like, stop. <laughs> 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 just closes the door. And he's like, look, uh, I, I, and I don't mean stop talking. I mean, stop everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he tells him like, yeah, like, like you're saying, Kurt, uh, he tells him, look, this came at a, at the worst possible time. Uh, and you see the boss, uh, basically making all sorts of justifications because like, uh, what is it? Uh, the, the, I guess it's the older, the older of the guards it was called Carva or something like that. And he's like, Oh, he's the most unpleasant man I've ever known. I've ever known. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he already knows him personally. And, and actually that's why Cyril Karn, uh, like was trying to like polish the apple. He's like, Oh, yes, I know. I know the, the connection that you had. He's like, and then he, Obviously, like he's the most unpleasant person I've ever known. Yeah. So what we're going to do here, given the fact that I'm uh, currently on my way out the door to go uh, give a presentation on our security uh, statistics to the ISB. Uh, basically, I want you to do nothing about this. In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to say that they, um, this was a death by misadventure. This was, um, you know, <laughs> they, they, they very likely, uh, you know, died trying to help someone. And I the, love that the they line were like, that kills me. It, the line that kills me heroic, is, is not too heroic. Yes. <laughs> yes. We don't, we don't want to parade, uh, have them do something sad, but inspirational yeah. in a mundane sort of way. Yeah. It's, my God, uh, that if that were like like carved on my epitaph, um, <laughs> on my on my gravestone, I would like uh, I would just I'd have to come back, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> you know, and haunt somebody. I, I think that's probably the first mention of the empire is in that scene because again we're we're not in the empire we're in we're mm-hmm. in the corporate zone which is kind of a throwback to. Um, uh, something from the 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 old old late seventies Han Solo novels called the Corporate Sector, um, which is basically like it's sub- it's a subordinate state of the Empire that the Empire tolerates. That's basically run by a mining and manufacturing conglomerate. So it's mm-hmm. it, it's a fully corporatist state. That's like this weird totalitarian giant company town, but but the town is a series of you know solar systems um and they mention we need to go make our you know our our, our quarterly reports to our imperial liaison that's why we need to, to to cover this up and so the empire starts out 
as something very distant. It's like it's like something vaguely threatening on the horizon. Mm-hmm. But again, you don't see, you know, it doesn't start off. It's not stormtroopers investigating this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a shitty low-level nobody and his boss who's still a low-level nobody. And we really don't see anybody from the Empire Qua Empire until like episode four. Where mm-hmm. and oh man, when you get to it, it is terrific, and oh, it actually feels like it has weight to it. Like it actually feels like it's been built up to in a non lazy way. Like it's to the point where it's like oh, like wow, when the actual fascists show up and you compare them to Cyril Karn, it's like oh yeah, this guy sucks. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's a nobody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and and that's the thing, right? Because it is like I I I think I had um I glibly said before that it doesn't feel like world building, but it it, it totally is, right? It is world building, um, yeah. It's just not world building in the way that I've become accustomed to seeing world building in Star Wars, which is basically a wink and a nod, uh, you know, and uh, oh, did you uh, do you remember Dubacks? Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Remember the the band oh wow that, you know, that like, bounty hunter on ord mantel as they say <laughs> in empire strikes back mm-hmm. where it's like george lucas comes up with like a series of clever words and and i like it but if that's all you ever do it's just like the um uh like our colleague Pete mentions, you know, when you list three things and one of them is a sci-fi <laughs> yeah. concept, you know, sandwiches or milk or Duvarnian Kuvacs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, that's the one that's uh that's sci-fi is sci-fi. Yeah. Um yeah, so so in this case, what it does is it it plants the seed that there's a larger organization outside of you know, like the pre-more corporate zone. Um and, you know, like, and Morlana one has to sort of given that they have contracts with the empire and all that good stuff, they have to be on their best behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and report to them and all that good stuff. But it's not like the first three episodes is only dealing with, you know, like the corporate, uh, aspect of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not until like, well, <laughs> until Cyril Karn, the twerp that he is, uh, fucks things up royally that we actually then get that expansion and we actually mm-hmm. get to see like the, the, the meetings that would, <laughs> that someone would be, uh, you know, presenting to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so let's, let's talk about the first three episodes. Yeah. Um, which, which basically is a crime, uh, kind of espionage plot line. It's, it's more crime than it is espionage. Mm-hmm. I would kind of compare it to, so I, uh, these first six episodes, and I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke up Disney's ass. I, I legitimately mean this and not in the way of uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier feels like three days of the Condor. Um, <laughs> I, I, it, I, I actually mean it literally legitimately does feel uh, a bit like uh, a, a couple movies by the French director Jean-Pierre Melville. Um, mm. in, in particular, uh, Le Circle Rouge um and army of shadows yeah. uh the circle rouge being basically one of the first like really modern heist films it's kind of a template for something like like uh, heat or even like ronin mm-hmm. um and it's it's got it shows you both what the what the police are doing to try to try to 
hone in on this group of criminals and what the criminals are are doing. Um, and it's very concerned with this kind of like it's not quite a cat and mouse game because they're not really interacting yet, but like they're vaguely aware of each other and they're both trying to move through their through their own actions. So like Cyril Karn and his 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 very wide friends in the the corporate enforcement <laughs> tactical squads are trying a bunch, to fig- a bunch of large sons the largest yeah. the yeah. widest uh, people we've ever seen in Star Wars and not a not a neck among them <laughs> not a neck among them um and and, uh, and and on the other hand you've got you've got Cassian Andor and like a couple of his kind of like working class buddies like you've you've got Bix, you've got a couple like random side characters uh, who Br- Brasso, who is probably his closest ca- he rocks. Uh, friend. He's, yeah, he's yeah. fucking awesome. He's fucking great. Yeah, he's his. He's like the foreman. It's it seems like, um, and and then you've got this this guy Luthen, who shows up, and it's not like it's clear that he's he's involved in something like the rebellion. But maybe isn't the rebellion yet? They, like nobody, nobody has the line where it's like you're with the rebellion. Like it's kind of like nobody quite knows what that is yet. It's unclear. He's a little bit nastier. He's a little bit more vague. He's got that kind of like like uh, John Le Carre type style to him, and it mm. kind of is following these characters through. It's building to a head, but it's not clear until it happens what the head is that it's building towards. And when it happens, it's 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 terrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And, and uh, played by Stellan Skarsgård, who um, mm-hmm. honestly is, is sort of um, I, I'm, I'm glad that he's in another role that isn't the uh, like the absent minded professor from the Thor movies. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it, yeah, because it's kind of like he shows up and when he shows up, it's like, oh, shit's real now. Yeah. Like it's not clear how it's real yet. But oh, there, there's that great there's that scene. Um, a, a, a very John le Carre type scene where he's he he lands and he gets on this like space bus essentially, <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah. riding with the tourists or no no, it's a guy on, on, on like a business trip or something to to yeah, he's to just like an old an old timer. Yeah, who was who's like, yeah, I remember back when, you know, you could just uh, take a bus. Mm. <laughs> it's so it's such a funny um like a, a, such a funny uh, series of little, uh, like it's a tiny vignette in the middle of this thing where uh, it doesn't really, you, you don't know if it serves plot purposes, but it's really enjoyable because it, like, uh, uh, you know, Luthen is just sitting there and just sort of like not really responding. He doesn't want to have a conversation with this guy. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> and the guy's like, I've made a bus friend. <laughs> um, oh, and, and that that's worth mentioning is the dialogue is like when you, t- to me, I can never explain what makes good dialogue dialogue, like good dialogue. Um, and there was a few scenes like the speech from the senior inspector, like this scene. There's a few things I was like, oh, like this is this is re- like this dialogue is like really good. Like mm-hmm. I can just watch it. Like it's just engrossing to listen to. And it's not delivering plot points. It's not delivering salient information. It's just well written and engaging being oh, and, what it is it's a good and, conversation and the 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 polar opposite to that which is purely intentional the quote inspirational speech 
that oh, I love Cyril it. Garn <laughs> is so awkward <laughs> and cringy. Yeah. Yeah, where he's, uh, he's trying it. to give it. And it's it's great because it's like, I've seen people online. I don't want to go too much into like the discourse because like it kind of bores me. Um, although... I like tweeting about it. I don't, and that's, that's the right place for it is on, is on that, that stupid website. Um, but, but I, I've seen people saying like, oh, you know, this is about this guy getting radicalized. Oh no. Like he's already radicalized. He's, mm-hmm. he's a full blown fascist. He just doesn't have the right job yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so exactly. he's trying to give basically like the Darth Vader, you know, Admiral Tarkin, uh, sorry, Moff, Grand Moff Tarkin speech um, to a bunch of like low, like, like, you know, head cracking cops who just don't give a shit. And he's like, you know, we're out here to avenge justice and we're doing this important stuff. And and he he all but says, please clap. Yes. <laughs> They're just like, what is this fucking pencil neck dweeb talking about? <laughs> I just want to go beat up some miners and steel workers. Like, this is the part. Why is he wasting my time before I get to do the part of the job that where I beat people up and feel good about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's so good. But, but like, l- like I said, it's, it's purely intentional and it, it's, it's another, uh, it's like a counter example of like what good dialogue uh, should do. Right. Or, or not, not a counter example is a perfect example of what di- dialogue should do, mm-hmm. which is to give you a, a glimpse into, you know, what kind of character Cyril Karn is and which is like Cyril Karn has this, um, such a weird, um, sort of like almost, uh, childlike idea of what he should be saying in this situation. Yeah. He hasn't, like you said, he hasn't read the room where like all he, all he really needed to say is like, are we ready to crack some fucking skulls? Mm-hmm. Okay. Booyah. And yeah. that would have had them like, <laughs> like hooting and hollering. And instead he's like trying to do like this weird sort of semi corporate, like I'm so, I'm so honored to be able to share this experience <laughs> with you. And you're like, Share what fucking experience? Like, go cracking skulls? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then it all yeah. it all builds to um, a really funny kind of like action climax because the uh, the action is largely illusory. Like, it's it's basically a story. I, I, I think it was you, Carlo, who referred to it as like a reverse Black Hawk Down, mm-hmm. where yeah. it's it's these like these outside like you know, like tr- troopers who have really no idea what they're doing or or what they're up against, but blindly fumbling mm-hmm. uh, headlong into what is actually a largely imagined guerrilla attack on, on themselves. Yeah. They think <laughs> that they are engaged in like block to block combat with an entire city rising up against them. And it's, it's really, it's literally just two guys. Yeah. Plus. Well, I mean, but, but then, <laughs> but then, but then again, but then again, how would cops react to a situation? Oh, totally. totally. <laughs> and so mm. I, I think that that really sort of gives you an idea of exactly, you know, what, what, uh, you know, what, what's in their heads. But, but also like, I think that part of it is, you know, like there is a, uh, as the, uh, the largest son, uh, Linus, what is it? Linus Mosk. Uh, who's like that. Who's the uh, the head of the the corporate um, you know like the units that that are there the, the tactical uh, enforcement squad or whatever it's called yeah 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 whatever they're called yeah the big um, lads 
Yeah, the the, the, the large, large sons. sons. <laughs> the, uh, the emperor's Mor- large sons. Morlana, Morlana one's largest sons. Um, <laughs> so uh, so when they get to to Ferex, uh, even though uh, it has been established that like basically, um, you know, like uh, what's his face, uh, Andor is sort of like basically he owes everyone money. He's a fucking ne'er do well. He's he's always got like some sort of scheme. Uh, and, and, you know, like anyone who's had contact with him is sort of like, you know, like cursing their luck because, well, there's, you know, 500 credits I'm never going to see again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or, or, you know, shit, I lent you the fucking ship. No, I'm not going to lend you my ship anymore. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Um, and, and so even though that is sort of like the general uh, feeling that anyone that knows uh, <laughs> and or uh, has is regardless, all of Ferrix starts to basically put out the alarm by uh, basically <laughs> in a smaller version of the time grappler. Uh, everyone has like these little metal things outside their their dwellings. Yeah, and they, they just find like a piece of metal out. and just start fucking beating on it. Mm. And, and like spread, spreading the alarm. And though uh, though they the, the corporate forces say that it's all bluff and bluster, um, it starts to get to them. Right. Yeah. Um, it's it, you know, what it reminds me of. Um, well, my dad's retired now, so I can I can share this story. Um, there <laughs> was uh, so my my dad uh, was uh, a union uh, electrical engineer for a long time, um, and um, they were always very cognizant at his job site where uh, job site. This sounds wrong. At, at his job uh, at his workplace when management was on the floor. Mm. And they had a particular coded phrase that they would say over the intercom. They would say like, you know, somebody's name, please get to, you know, 1410 or something when like management was on the floor so that everybody could look busy. Mm. Um, and that's basically what they're doing. Like, it's not quite it's, it's class consciousness of a sort, but it's much more of like a practical solidarity. Like, mm-hmm. it's yeah. not it's the, the I, I again, I've seen I've seen the, the show described as anti-capitalist and I would say it's really not. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like anti-corporate. Like, it's it's certainly anti the bosses. Yeah. But I think it's because the bosses are are bad. Like, like, I don't really like. They're literally bad guys. Like, I don't want to give <laughs> yeah. this too much credit. But but yeah, they're basically like saying, hey, you know, look alive. The cops are, you know, on the block, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's, it's, it's like it's, yeah. it's like in the wire when, you know, five oh come and five oh come. Exactly. And, you know, like, exactly. That, yeah. Yeah. Or like, you know, when when you're driving down a, a, a road that you don't know and somebody flashes their 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 lights at you. you know, yes. And you know that uh, you've been identified as a participant in a gang initiation and they're going to try. Yes. To yes. yes. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, Lord. oh I, I meant I meant the other one. The one, oh, the other one. that's oh, actually oh, real. Oh, oh, the other one. <laughs> um, so anyway. Yeah. So. So. Uh, yeah. And, and, and so the. Oh, and we forgot, like part of I think that part of the the way that the show conveys like the menace of even the corporate sector uh, knowing anything is the fact that, you know, like, for instance, there's there's a small sequence where um, apparently, you know, from from what you can gather, it's not really sort of hammered home or anything like that, but uh, apparently um, a a a 
uh, I guess, scrap trader or mechanic named Bix, played by uh, Adria Arjona. Uh, that's some, born in Puerto Rico from a, a Guatemalan <laughs> ballad singer. I shit you not. Oh, wow. Uh, Ricardo Arjona is like, well, very well known amongst a certain crowd in Puerto Rico. Uh, anyway, the point being that, um, she is, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of like hinted that she and and Andor had been sort of like maybe an item at some point in time in the past, um, but they still have like a relation because he he sells stuff to her and she's his fixer, um, and so it when he basically realizes that he's fucked up that they figured out they he's blown his own cover right mm. because by asking about a girl from Canary. Karn has sort of like called in the 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 same uh, woman that he talked to in the brothel, uh, who mm. gave I guess gave him that information, and then he makes the 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 intuitive leap that oh he must be from Canary, mm-hmm. and so um, that weirdly blows his cover, even though he never said that. Well, Tim rats him out because well, that's Tim, true. Tim well, thinks no, no, that, that that's only after Karn basically sends out the the essentially an apb yes Yes, Um, yeah but but like tim thinks that 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 cassian is that that bix is having an affair with cassian um because she's because basically she clearly has a double life of some kind she's always she's kind of cagey about what she's doing it's clear she's involved in some kind of smuggling or something gray market illegal it's not totally clear what her deal is, but Tim isn't completely in the loop. And he makes the, you know, the reasonable jump that she's up to something with her ex-boyfriend and she doesn't want to tell me about it. So she kind of assumes that they're off having an affair. So he says, mm-hmm. oh, well, I know, you know, he's 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 from Canary. So I'll just, you know, I'll just drop a dime on him and mm-hmm. get him out right. of my hair and get him hassled by the cops, not realizing that. Um, he's bringing, you know, Inspector Clouseau down, down upon him <laughs> with the wide voice. <laughs> so then that, that then, uh, you know, provokes the fact that, uh, you know, like, uh, Andor needs to move this, uh, last big item that he's been sort of like holding in reserve. Um, and, and that's what sort of, uh, sort of gives you this idea that everything's a little, like on Ferrix, even on Ferrix, where, uh, you know, like uh, one of the things about that practical solidarity is that they like all the workers can just like hang their gloves out in like a town square area and expect them to be there when they come back. Yep. Yeah. Um, or, or yeah. for instance, in the first episode when Andor um, goes to talk to Brasso for the first time and, and he's like, hey, remember, wink, wink, last night? how you and I were out drinking mm-hmm. and then we went home back to your place to drink some more there. And then I fell asleep on the couch and was there until the morning. Yeah, right? And, and, and Brasso like, yes, ands him. Yeah. He's like, no, no, great. you, yeah. you're forgetting that what you did was you insulted my, my choice of drink. And I got very, <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's so good because then it also just without really trying to, um, without trying to do flashbacks or anything like that, it just really establishes that they've been friends for long enough that Brasso knows 
that Andor's always a little shady about yeah. things. And he, he, he doesn't need nor want. Like like he he at he he kind of goes like like what do you do? Like what is this is this a big deal? Is this like a real deal? Like he he doesn't want to know what it is, but he wants to know how much trouble he's he's aiding and abetting mm-hmm. here. And Cassie is like, well, you know, it's kind of some real shit, but like I'm not gonna tell you, don't ask, you know. Um, and yeah, I really like the depiction of Ferex in general. It's very well realized as like a, mm-hmm. a community. It's and it's not again, it's not just Mos Eisley. Yeah. It's not just like, well, here's another place that's like most like the Mandalorian has like six different places that are just most Eisley. But mm-hmm. they're, you know, here's so Smisley, you know, here's <laughs> here's the so Smisley spaceport. Um, yeah. And, and this yeah. is this is different. Like it has it has a, it has an industry. People have jobs, uh, you know, in when they come back there later in the series, you start getting like some like some deeper background. It's just it's just really well done. And and so the other thing it does is it's, it establishes a real sense of place so that when they actually are having a firefight and shit really starts going down, mm-hmm. you really get a sense of like where things are at, how they're moving through the city, like what, you know, you, you see all these minor characters that were in the background suddenly doing different things, how they react to the police, you know, you see the three little non-human dudes kind of um, – uh, Cyril kind of just like takes a pot shot at them because he gets like spooked. Um, yeah. and, and they run out making Star Wars noises. And it's just like a little <laughs> bit of like, oh, like you, you, you understand it all. Whoops. I hit the microphone. It all conveys like facts about it without sitting you down and world building at you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and so, so what I was going to get at is that, um, th- there's a secret, uh, there, there's a secret, uh, channel, you know, like there's a secret trans- transmission tower that uh that bix uses to contact uh luthan right who at this point you know we don't know who he is until she you know basically uses like her space telegram uh to to get in contact with him uh which is hidden like inside the uh like a junkyard um and inside like a what is it like a it's like like a a smokestack of some kind yeah something and uh and it's like it's not even like in like at the ground floor she has to like climb and like almost three quarters of the way up to the smokestack mm-hmm. and it's in hidden in a panel and you're like jesus christ man mm-hmm. they they are they have been like you know like basically you find out later why but but they have been like very secretive about stuff and and i feel like that um that type of thing really sort of starts to uh really weigh like put some weight on you as yeah. a viewer uh, uh, you know like as how like how a how menacing things outside of Ferrix may be right mm-hmm. yeah because because it's it's clear that they don't like Bix doesn't really know who Luthen is he's this guy he's kind she's kind of has some kind of business relationship with him but it's like she doesn't really know who he is he kind of shows up or he doesn't She's got some kind of ambiguous, uh, you know, uh, she knows about the secret transmitter and the guy who runs the junkyard lets her in and mm-hmm. he knows about it. But it's not clear, like, is who's who's is it? It's all it's all very vague. Um, and it kind of it kind of puts you at, in the sense of the unease that the characters feel of not being mm-hmm. quite sure, like, what. What is this all a part of? And well, yeah, and 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 to your earlier point, like when we were talking about Brasso, it's this um, studied 
ignoring of what you want some to do something for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you need it. Okay, it's yours, but yeah, you know, just be careful. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and no one really is asking. Like, no one, like the guy, doesn't ask Bix. You know, like, what do you need it for? You know, uh, no one cares. Like, yeah. he, he pretends Nobody like says, he doesn't know. Nobody says, "Watch out for that guy. He's part of the rebellion." Yeah, <laughs> it, it doesn't. It doesn't give you Star Warsiness to anchor onto. You just kind of have to like, like accumulate. Like, well, clearly it's 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 got to be related to that, right? Like, it's it's something to do with it. But you know, but it, there's no the payoff isn't uh y- you know General Crick's Maidine showing up or whatever and being like, "Hello, it's me, the guy." You yeah. know, Grand there, Admiral Thrawn. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and then. Um, th- I think the last thing I want to specifically call out is there's there's a couple specific George Lucas references to other films uh, of his that that crop up and like I, I I don't like the term Easter egg because I I feel like an Easter egg exists to be found and mm. these are just kind of like little you know shading in things but uh Brasso does the ultimate solid uh when oh, he man. kind of like goes and. You don't see what he did initially, but you see him walking away from the corporate dropship very purposefully walking away from it. And then the guy goes to take off and like report back. And it turns out that he has tethered it to a giant like engine, like a piece of salvage. Um, And it winds up the guy tries to take off and like gets dragged down into like a ship that's being scrapped and just completely iced out. And it feels it's very one to one with uh what they do to the cop car in american graffiti they, yes. they basically american graffiti it yes. <laughs> and it's it's terrific because it's not it's it's not like it's like well why does brasso do that and there's a couple different reasons it might you know it's partly because he knows that his friend is in trouble it's partly because he seems to kind of hate the cops um like the whole the whole town kind of hates the cops to some degree it seems like like the, these these outsiders coming in and causing fucking problems and so they're like all right you're going to come fuck with us we're going to you know we're going to fuck with you we're not going to mm-hmm. we're not going to shoot back at you that's not what we do but we're going to we're going to intimidate you we're going to act like assholes and we're going to you know set you up to to have to have an accident um did, it, it, did either one of you um, notice that the uh, the corporate uh, transport ships look very much like Clone War era tr- troop transports? Yes. Yeah. Just yeah. very cramped mm. uh, in, in comparison, because like the troop transports can probably fit. What is it like? Maybe two, <laughs> two single file, uh, you know, clone troopers inside. Yeah. Uh, standing up. And this feels much more cramped. And even the cockpit feels cramped. Um I was just pointing uh, just one of those things where it's like, it's one of those things that I don't necessarily, um, it's uh, not necessarily something that I'm like going like, wow, those prequels are cool. But I did like one of the things, if we can just briefly talk about that is, um, how, uh, the prequels sort of establish this weird incremental design um, that slowly starts to become like, you can see where they started oh, uh, yes, and, and yeah. this is the point a and how they, mm-hmm. they ended up at like the point B being, you know, like a uh, X wing fighter or whatever. And here it feels very much like where we're sort of mingling of waters, right? Because this is sort of what I guess maybe 
is this like what 15 years after the empires 10 to 15 years after the empires something uh, like that because it's still the republic in the flashbacks when cassian is is a kid when he's like 10 mm-hmm. or 12 um yeah. it's it's still the republic and so yeah it must be between 10 and 15 years after the empire becomes the empire basically yeah. and we're probably so, so, still yeah. 10 10ish years or something like that before the actual movies yeah. start happening again. And, and I mean, that's not even counting like the, the scenes where we get to Coruscant and, you know, like, like I think you had mentioned and, and I had mentioned, um, Mon Mothma's, uh, you know, amazing looking car. Yeah. Just, mm. it just looks like that. Uh, was it the Kalishnikov, uh, <laughs> it, like electric vehicle, uh, design oh, just yeah. like, but, but it flies. Yeah. Uh, it, it just uh, like all of it looks really interesting and like Coruscant definitely feels like it's it's weirdly uh, trapped, you know, like stuck in amber because the designs look they still look like prequel designs. Yeah. And, and so speaking of which, do we so I know we're already long, but I'm I'm good to, to keep going for, yeah, yeah, I'm, for a I'm while good. longer. I'm so um, yeah. I'm, do, do you guys want to talk a bit about like the next three block of episodes? Oh, hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because like, like honestly, like uh, episode three, I, I know. So, so let me, let me preface this by saying that I uh, had heard and uh, you know, like some of the early stuff uh, that I read about uh, Andor was that, you know, oh, the, the first two episodes are a bit of a slog. It's not until episode three that it really gets going. And, that's half right that that statement is half right uh it is true that it isn't until episode three that things really get started um but i did not find any of the the three first episode slogs uh you know it feels very um very much like establishing characters and trying to really give you a feel for the world um and uh, not until then like when luthan basically uh uh manages like he they they managed to escape uh and in a great like it last scene of the of that third episode um or not the last scene but one of the 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 last scenes where you know they're out of the trouble and they're going on a speeder and you get like that wide shot of just oh my scenes. god where they go mm. over over like the patties like the water like the water? rice patties or whatever That's yeah terrific yeah, yeah it's just cool. it's such a great scene but but weirdly it's interspersed with um sort of like uh in a weirdly moving sequence right uh they have like um uh, Casa or Cassian, um, who becomes Cassian later, being rescued from like the planet that he's been sort of like living on. Um, at the same time, uh, sort of like tying it together with Luthen, sort of like taking him off of Ferrix. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it really mm. sort of, it's weirdly moving because it really sort of, they managed to tie it together, those two parallel storylines, right? Well, uh, in a, you in find a really out two sort of effective way. In particular. Um, sorry, I cut you off there. You, you, no, no, you go find ahead. Out, you find out two things in particular. One is that, so like, it is kind of ha- hanging over the series is this question of like, well, how does, how did he get off of, um, Canari? And it turns out that basically like the, the, it's unclear if they're kind of like, like my, my impression is there may be like 
the like children that crash landed there or something because it seems to be like a teenage no no group. They're, they're i think that they're just the the, the last surviving children uh, after the mining disaster oh i assume that the mining disaster was like a cover for yes that's for, how i yeah for, that's for them I wiping know. out remember these. they see the mine that's like true. That's that, true. There okay. is that huge, that huge strip mine that they stop on the way to. Mm, um, true. To, okay. To uh, uh, sort of like do the salvage from the the ship that fell. Or that's whatever. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so they they basically you know the the the, the group that Casa is living with like kills these Republic officers um, who are survivors of a crashed ship. Um, and a group of salvagers, it seems like, uh, of, uh, you know, in, in, basically Marva and, and um, Clem. Clem. Oh, I didn't know that his name was. Clem. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good that's that's an important uh, piece of info. Um, mm-hmm. They kind of basically go like, you know, like we can't just kidnap this kid. Oh, but now that the Republic knows that there's people here and they killed some Republic officers, like they're going to come down and kill all of them. Like we can't just leave this kid here. We're just going to take him. Right. Well, I mean, they, they, they do the thing that pisses me off so much about the last Jedi. They take the kid with them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Out of danger and granted. So, so, um, uh, you know, we don't, we're not supposed to feel like this is a good, like a, an unalloyed good thing because they're basically kidnapping them. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they, they are mm-hmm. doing it for very practical uh, and, and well-meaning purposes. Yeah. Um, but and, the, and the I, other thing oh, that ahead. you find out. Oh, so, so, no, no, no. No, please go ahead. I, I was just going to say that I f- it's one of those things that for me really opens up Andor's character because like he he and Marva have a very sort of. um <sighs> I don't want to say like a a a, a fraught relationship because it, it's not really fraught except for him starting to be uh, like like a bit of a a ne'er do well right and yeah. and getting himself into trouble and and inviting trouble to find him, um, but you know she does seem to care for him. Uh, the thing is that given his history and given the fact that he he has to be aware uh after a while that he has been sort of adopted by people who you know are not his family you know it sort of opens up his character to me at least that he he would be very cagey and squirrely about Mm -hmm. stuff and very wary about joining anything yeah but to that point the other thing you find out is when he meets with Luthen, um, Cassian says something about like they're gonna catch us or something to that effect, and Luthen says, "Yeah, and if they do, what do you think they'll do? They'll probably march me into the square and hang me, just like they did your father, right?" And it's all of a sudden like, oh, like this guy. First of all, it's kind of a dramatic turn for Star Wars. Like that's not. Uh, Hanging people in a public square is, does not feel like a Star Warsy thing, <laughs> yeah, which, yeah. which I think is good. But it feels like a fascist thing, and it's mm-hmm. really, it's really underscoring. I think the extent to which the series takes the fascism of the Empire much more seriously and says, "Okay, what? Yeah, what would violent repression of colonial 
you know, rowdy colonial properties look like? Well, it mm-hmm. would look like mass punishment and it would look like mass executions. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you, you see this later in the series. They actually show you, you know, what, what happens there. And it's, it's pretty fucking brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's chilling in a way that Star Wars typically isn't. Like when, uh, Alderaan is destroyed, you know, it's, it's a big model that gets blown up, poof, and you see little bits it, of fragments well, and, flying and, and the explosion looks kind of cool. Yeah, the explosion looks kind of <laughs> cool. And it's like, okay, someone, one person, the death of one person being mentioned feels more impactful than, you know, the death of billions of people that is oh, you wait, know, nominally are, shown on screen. You know, yeah. um, don't, don't get ahead of yourself. You're, you're trying, you're trying to do a Nemec on us. Uh, <laughs> Speak, <laughs> H- yes. Hiding, hiding, hiding uh, 40 atrocities behind one, you know, one, oh, one big one. Yes. Yeah. Sp- speaking of which. So, yeah. So, 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 so the second arc of, uh, of uh, Andor is, is basically, uh, is basically like the the heist itself, or yes. or a heist itself, and you've got you know y- you've got this this cadre, um, that is formed, and they kind of accept Cassian into their midst, sort of as Clem. Um, they are they are definitely committed rebels. But they're not the rebellion. They're just like a, they're they're a team that kind of knows who they're working for, sort of, or they kind of know that they're fighting the empire. But they're they're they're, they're an isolated cell, mm-hmm. effectively. Mm-hmm. They are yeah. a guerrilla slash terrorist cell, effectively. And you really get you actually, and the the show spends the next three episodes putting you in with them, and at the same time showing you the the empire itself what one of their bases looks like, what their colonial outpost looks like, and then also what their uh their their security service looks like um as uh emblemat- emblematized by uh Deidre Miro, um girl boss extraordinaire um and her her very supportive uh, fascist boss <laughs> Colonel, Colonel Partagas. Colonel Partagas, um, yes. Uh, so good. The, uh, like it's it's such a weird thing to say, given the fact that I hate meetings at work. But all of the ISB meetings are so like it's it's all dialogue, mm-hmm. but it is so compelling and interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, because part of it is again, uh, it, it's that uh, you know you plant a seed, and then later on it becomes you know like something that you now see on the ground. It right? becomes hope, Carlo. It becomes hope. Becomes hope. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's you're thinking of the spark. Uh, you have oh, yes. to light a million sparks. Uh, uh, God, what a fucking stupid line. Anyway, um, so so. But but what I'm getting at is that you'll you'll get like oh uh, Dedra uh, I'm very uh, impressed with your detention numbers far above the metrics we gave yes. you yes and then later on you know later on you find out you, you actually get to see people getting you know like sent to prison on trumped up charges yeah, getting detained yeah <laughs> yeah and it's great because it then shows you like this is the macro level and again this is like the 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 same Alderon problem that you were just saying right you're you're seeing the macro like you know like from thirty thousand feet up bird's eye view and then suddenly you get to see it on the ground 
yeah. happening to someone that you uh, sort of care about and you're rooting for. Um, anyway, uh, that, that is getting ahead of the, uh, the, the, the frame of this particular episode. Um, so, so I guess what we should probably talk about a little bit here is, uh, we get to see Luthen, um, actually in his supposedly, <laughs> his real identity yeah. Mm, yeah which is such such a funny thing because like as he's coming into coruscant um you see him like get dressed up like a dandy he wears a wig and yeah. then he's like doing like these poses and sm- like putting on a <laughs> shit-eating grin he's like, he, he, he reminded me of like a jiminy glick like i was almost expecting him to like even like do a little bow and like uh, yeah. a, a flourish you know it's so funny it's it's such a funny little tiny micro scene yeah and then you cut to you know back back to on the ground on uh Shit, what is the name of the the planet that they're on? Uh Aldani. Aldani. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Aldani. Um and, and also you find out that Aldani had a um sort of an indigenous population which seems to be sort of like weirdly like maybe uh Sami like inspired by Sami or Yeah, that's a, yeah, that seems some, yeah, yeah, that's about right. Something yeah. like that, right? Uh, and they've all been sort of like displaced. Like this was their holy valley. It's like, man, nah, nah, we're gonna put we're gonna put a dam here. <laughs> it's like, Gee, damn, man, that that's fucked up. Uh, yeah, and and they talk about how like they've been they've been gradually either wiped out or displaced or like they and they they talk about the the steps they've taken to displace the indigenous population. About how oh well, you know, we leave. We leave caches along the way for them to go to their important religious site, but we also, mm. you know, have uh, you know, inns with you know free booze and parties and stuff, you know, and and uh, you know, we can we can get them jobs, you know, working mm-hmm. in, yeah. in in these and, uh, you know facilities, and gradually and so, fewer and fewer have come to their religious site. Yeah. So so the 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 religious uh, ceremony that they're referring to is the opening of the eye. Uh, which is a sort of like a celestial event. It's sort of like, um, what is it that they, they say? Like imagine 500 or 50, uh, meteor showers all at once. Yeah. Um, it, lo- it looks like Aldani, the planet moves through a, uh, like a, a cloud of like crystalline things mm-hmm. that slowly burn through the atmosphere and just basically you know like uh the the what is it the perseid uh meteor shower but yeah. like times 500 or something well it's mm-hmm. it's a terrific sci-fi story conceit right of mm-hmm. like here's a here's a sci-fi stellar event and here is something prosaic happening within its shadow it, it's a very um it's a very arthur c clark sort of conceit yeah, yeah. right where it's like let's well, it, let's imagine a big sci-fi thing and then let's set a traditional story like like a heist within mm. it as a framing device well and 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 for the aldani people um i feel like uh apart from that it does like a an almost wolfian thing right where it, he's they they decided to uh, attach a spiritual significance to this very sort of scientific like a scientifically mm-hmm. explained uh, phenomenon, right? Um, and so th- there's this whole culture that's that's uh, built up around this. That slowly, what what we've been referring to, they they do a pilgrimage to this particular valley where the um, the base 
is that they're going to perform the heist. Um, and slowly, uh, they've, they've managed to through, you know, um, encouragement of assimilation and, and other things, right? Uh, they've dwindled, they, they've managed to winnow out so many people that just stay behind from 15,000 that usually, that once upon a time came there to about 600. Yeah, and, and, and it's 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 great because it's just it um first of all it puts a ticking clock on things, um, but it doesn't go out of its way to like harangue you about it. It just you know, it says this thing is coming, it's going to happen, that's go time, that's when it's going to happen. It sets up a later ticking clock where you don't quite hear the ticking yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to happen. And it also it promises you something cool, but then mm-hmm. you don't get to see it for for you know a fair bit of time yeah. um and when you actually do get to see it it's it's very effective as you know as as creating you know like like a little action set piece but in the meantime it's really entirely focused on character drama of the different people who are part of this this rebel cell of cassian interacting with them them being suspicious him being suspicious of them uh nemic um you know talking about being being noam chomsky at him (laughs) (laughs) telling him to read settlers (laughs) telling telling him to read uh, the bread book and so on and so forth the the wretched of the earth and so on um but but yeah so so um just just to do a roster because none of the none of the people uh in in the the heist have been we've we've never met ne- any of them before so we have uh vel who is the nominal uh leader and uh her apparent uh sort of girlfriend uh cinta um we have uh nemic who is very young uh but also the most sort of like radicalized of them uh he's he's as uh as is described by other people there um a true believer we have tamarin who uh, we later find out uh was a former stormtrooper oh that was a great touch yeah yes, i like that a lot yeah and uh and so uh, which is and then and, and that's that's bringing back an idea from that the sequel series was trying to do with uh finn but they didn't do they anything with it. Instantly. Yeah, yeah they, they instantly they, they dropped drop it. it. Yeah. yeah, that was the most compelling part of of that series mm-hmm. was that five minutes at the beginning where Finn is a stormtrooper, and then Agreed. they're just like, oh, well, now he's just a goofy guy. <laughs> yes, yeah, he's yeah. he's the comic relief. Ha ha. And you're like, uh, that doesn't very that doesn't seem very nice. Uh, anyway, uh, and so then, and of course, the the actual dirtbag of the group, Skeen. Who uh, I think he's been in what is it? Um, oh shit, I forget the name of the actor, but he's been in that uh, that show. Shame is it Shameless, and also uh, the fuck, what is it called? The Bear. That's what it is. Uh, the cooking, the the the, the diner show. Oh um, yeah yeah yeah. Um, so anyway, um, and, and each one of them has like their own little sort of like personality. Uh, Nemec is very open and, uh, you know, is basically, you know, like he, he believes that you, he can sort of like turn anyone on to, you know, be, to mm-hmm. be a rebel, you know, part of the rebel cause or whatever. Uh, you know, and everyone else is a, a different sort of level of KG. And Vel is, um, interestingly, Sort of like um, 
a, a, a very in the middle character in part because she's pissed off because Luthen is sort of basically fobbed off, uh, and or onto her, onto her, mm-hmm. uh, five days before they're supposed to pull off the heist. Um, but at the same time, she's supposed to play it like it was the plan all along and defend him from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, until and this is interesting until uh and and let me back up just a second because we do get a couple of little random comments here and there that start to talk about uh andor's women and how he's like he's just very easily easily is able to uh you know sort of like you know get girlfriends bed women whatever and uh you start to see that he starts to sort of like gravitate a little bit towards Sinta. And Vel doesn't like that at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's like, "Oh, from here on out, you uh, you dress your own bandages." Well, it, it's it's interesting because um, I'm not sure if you noticed this, but uh, the and they they go more into it later. But the fact that they you know they're lesbians with the sexual relationship is is fairly explicit. They don't actually have a sex scene that we've had, you know, so far, but they specifically say, oh, you know, she's already, you know, she's already got someone in her bed, basically. Mm-hmm. They're, like, they're sharing a blanket. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. They're already sharing a blanket, um, which is a lot. It's 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 both less explicit and more more definite um, than Disney has typically been with uh with um you know not non non hetero mm-hmm. relationships well basically. and then later later on they are basically their own mini team yeah so they, exactly. they have each other's backs at, a, at any given moment um and it's it's but, still it's still i i will say in in term in terms of actually having like gay characters it's still fairly thin gruel Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it is, it is gruel nonetheless, I will say, I think mm-hmm. it is not, it is not merely broth. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, it, it is something I, I, I don't know how to feel about the representation because yeah, like you said, it's, it is, uh, it is definite. Yes. Um, and it doesn't feel like it's supposed to like, it doesn't feel like it's it's trying to be coy about things. No, either, yeah, they're, they're de- they are definitely lesbians and they're definitely having sex. Mm-hmm. We don't see it, um, but it's not it's not like two characters in the background holding hands or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, so then uh, and, and so uh, I guess we could talk a little bit about like you know like the 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 heist <laughs> i love that nemec has made these uh amazingly complex yes. <laughs> uh models so that they can sort of like uh determine you know like like plan and he's even like carved out the little transport mm-hmm. uh the, the freighter the freight hauler that they're going to use oh speaking of which if i can s- sidetrack real quick one of the things i love about it is that you come into this being like oh you know Cassian is joining this team that knows what it's doing. And it's like, oh, actually, they, they have no fucking clue what they're doing. Yeah. Like, they didn't know. Um, there's a really great part in, like, episode six, I think, where um, they're like, so where's the left? Like, they act like they're testing him. They're like, where's the button to, <laughs> yeah. release, the, to release the landing? No, no. How would, how would you calculate the weight? 
Yes, that's to right. To be able to, to, to release the, the clamp because the, the whole, the, the, the freight hauler that they're going to use to transport the credits out, of, steal, out yes, of the base. To steal the payroll for the entire sector, which is great. Which is, is great. It's basically, it's basically like, it, it's, it's like on a, on a monorail type of, uh, uh, rail yeah. to sort of catapult it out. Yeah. It's, um, it's like a linear accelerator, like they use to to launch jet planes off of yeah, uh, yeah like a, off of carrier, yeah, like a, yeah. a carrier, yeah. Except it's it's overhead rather than below. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, so so yeah, they they <laughs> I do love that. He's like, is this a trick question? <laughs> he's like, like he's he's like completely f- like he he can't believe what he's hearing, and he's like, no, it's 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 like like he. It also shows like his expertise in in like knowing ships and probably working in Ferrix, uh, where they like I do uh, I think that if uh, my my interpretation was that Ferrix was like a ship breaking facility. Yeah, um, yeah, we see that explicitly in in one of the first episodes. Yeah, so yeah. so he would have lots of like uh, when he was working, he would have lots of like on the you know, hands on. Uh, knowledge as well as you know, maybe studying different things and he realizes that they don't know what the fuck they're talking about yeah. because they're, <laughs> they're they're asking him like oh how would you calculate the weight and he's like you wouldn't like there's a fucking dial that shows you what the weight is because the entire clamp uh thing is a custom job they add it yeah. to an existing you know, existing <laughs> model of this of this ship um i love how mad he know. gets and he's like he's like you don't know you don't you don't know how to fly it. Like what would you have done? What would you have done if I didn't come along? You don't know how to fly the ship. You have well, no and, idea and, what you're doing, do you? And he does something really cl- like sort of really clever too, right? Because he he confronts Vel about it. Uh because it's Vel and Tamarin, the the ex stormtrooper who are trying to sort of like browbeat him like to see if he knows his shit and and like when he he confronts them and shows them that they're they're full of shit uh he's like look no i'm flying i'm flying the ship and and vel's like no i'm i'm the leader he's like i don't care you can say it was your idea to put me in charge Mm -hmm. of flying it but i'm flying it you know and he does the 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 correct thing right the the correct politics he's like yeah you you want to play it being the leader i don't care you can continue to say that it was completely your idea this is entirely your plan i just if i'm going to be involved in this i'm flying the fucking ship (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and and it's nice because it's like he is sympathetic to what they're doing clearly like he's not just in it for the money but at the same time he's also like i don't really want anything to do with these idiots necessarily yeah i can i can only imagine he's like sitting there like like yeah this, if this is the rebellion it's full fucking yeah, exactly pants. yeah this is this is kind of a joke yeah um there's a really great uh just to talk about nemec for a second there's a really great sequence where he's he's showing um cassian that he has this kind of like astrogation computer and he's like you you know how to work one of these and cassian goes oh yeah like this is like like an old one why aren't you using the new stuff and he goes oh well the new stuff is from the empire it's not you know it's not really a map of the stars it's a map of political reality you know Mm. when you use that you are inhabiting their their reality you are agreeing to their their concepts, their rules, you know, their borders that they have put into place. Um, with this, you only get the the actual truth. Like, you know, you could do everything with 
that stuff. You can do everything with this that you can do with one of their computers, but this actually gives you, you know, th- this lets you actually be be free of the manufactured consent of the imperial framework, basically. And it's such a great, like, it's it's such a great, like, um, well-meaning, well-read, young communist type thing like it <laughs> yes. feels very well realized like well, it, if you ever feels... go to an organizing meeting you will meet four <laughs> guys like this <laughs> well i i also think that it's it's also hearkening back to and expanding upon um it, the very basic thing that when luthan uh is they're, they're sort of haggling over the the um the the little navigator thing uh in in ferrix before they escape mm-hmm. uh ferrix is like oh you, are you wearing a comlink give it give it to me oh and he's yeah. like never use anything you don't you don't control mm-hmm. and you know like that's very short to the point you get it but this is sort of like the the sort of like the the theory version of that same line yep <laughs> um yeah, that is that is such a great little uh, moment. <laughs> Where and then uh, like in the background, you you do have Skeen sort of like listening in or or uh, sort of like reacting to a lot of the conversations that uh, that Andor has with you know the different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's really interesting because he's like, oh yeah, you know, he's sort of like chuckling to himself in the in the background um and and, uh you'll also find out later on or or perhaps earlier than this scene that skeen's been a prisoner and Mm -hmm. uh supposedly like you know like oh i I saw your eyes move to the it's like a little tattoo on his chest of like a little uh like almost a a upc code or a, a barcode or whatever and he's like oh yeah i saw your eyes move straight to this you know what this is right and uh you know so so basically they they bond over you know like being former prisoners because andor was uh, a prisoner for a bit as well um and you know that that's sort of like supposedly from there that point forward you know we're supposed to be led to believe that he and skeen have a bit more like they've become like a little tiny group within the group mm-hmm. yeah Kind of. Uh, because both of them, yeah, both of them have like this previous experience and, you know, they think it's sort of um, silly. Like a lot of the the stuff that's that that everyone's talking about seems rather silly, but it's a heist. So, you know, whatever. Let's do it. Um, But yeah. So uh, do we want to talk? Uh, let, let's let's talk a little bit. Oh, 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 you know what? We got to talk about Cyril Karn. The fall of Cyril Karn. It's great. It's great. I love, I love the sequence where he's like, he, he goes, uh, he goes back to Coruscant and he's kind of walking through Coruscant. You're like, well, where's he going? And he kind of goes deep. Down. It, it takes on this, his whole plot line takes on this very like Terry Gilliam Brazil type quality where it's like, he's kind of going down and down into the what looks like, like lower middle class apartments like very brutalist architecture yes, yeah and- everything is concrete he's like he's not up in the nice um we, we, up in the clouds they have introduced mon mothma who is the one 
I, as far as I can recall, is the one existing character that they've had. And really, nobody gives a shit who Mon Mothma is. Mm-hmm. Um, although, although I will say that Genevieve O'Reilly is fantastic. She does a great role. job. She, Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it, it's really it's making me care about who, who, who Mon Mothma is. Even but they though, definitely uh, from- selected someone who is not not well liked and is just kind mm-hmm. of like a nobody who's like important, but like, like an important nobody, but still a nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, and yeah, when Cyril Karn gets back to his apartment and it's his mom, his like, his like overbearing <laughs> Italian mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so great because she, she does, she does the exact same thing you'd expect, which is she's immediate, she slaps him and then immediately embraces him. And then, uh, like, uh, <laughs> you can see in the background, like, a, a, a neighbor who, like, in the next causeway has stopped to watch the spectacle. And she's like, what are you looking at? <laughs> it, like, chases him off. Yeah. It's so good. It's so, such a funny thing. And, Even and before she pours that. him a glass of blue milk. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. She serves him. Uh, she serves him. Oops, all Death Stars with blue milk. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> even before that, like the 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 debriefing and uh, basically uh, like their debriefing where uh, <laughs> Karn with uh, his senior, his senior inspector, his boss and uh, Linus Mosk. <laughs> Are being dressed down by uh, by Blevin, mm-hmm. one of the ISB lieutenants that you see in the meetings, and he's like, uh, it, "But, but, sir, I, I, I didn't do anything." And that's exactly the situation, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, 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 oh God, I, I laughed so hard when uh, the large son uh, raises his hand to, <laughs> to ask a question. It's so good. It's such a funny touch. Uh, but none of them, uh, they, they can't even read their own, uh, you know, like out processing reports or anything of the yeah. sort. They're just sent off. They're dispatched unceremoniously. Uh, and so one of the things that I, I love about that whole sequence and the, the contrast between the corporate sector and the empire is that you really get this understanding that like Cyril Carr and his friends were doing a job, right? That's their job. But the Empire is, like, weirdly ritualized. Mm-hmm. Like, m- all the imperial bureaucracy that we see happens in these big, white, shiny rooms with everything's like the imperial star shape and everyone's sitting at a big round table and they're all – it's this elaborate ritual of, like, almost a religious adherence to bureaucracy – where everyone's going around the table reporting and they all have their little fiefdoms and and they're kind of, you know, there's this nest of vipers being overseen well, by party gas. To 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 a certain extent, uh, I think that you my God, you you've really hit it on the head, haven't you? It's almost as if the cog symbol is the is the the thing itself, right? Yeah. Mm. And 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 sort of then this is like this is the alternate like okay you have palpatine and you have vader somewhere uh they they do name drop palpatine which i i do wonder how many uh of the usual star wars fans uh, are, <laughs> are the, expecting a cameo yes. of all uh, the reviewers all the reviewers grabbing their pen and pencil be like oh, oh i have to put this in my review they mentioned mm. <laughs> easter egg palpatine they said his yeah. name so so um hey i know that so, 
<laughs> so you do have that, like the the old what is it that they use in the uh, original trilogy? Your your outdated religion or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and he, instead we have basically a civil uh religion right mm, like a yeah, secular civil religion where like you said like th they're on a round table it looks like the cog uh you know like even in later episodes there's other cogs that yeah. <laughs> that appear and so on and so forth so so it is it does seem to be like something that thematically the show is very interested in sort of like showing physically as a, a literal thing but also a symbolic thing yeah and there's there, there's also the element of whereas Cyril gets made fun of for having this well-tailored outfit um the empire is wearing these elaborate like outfits with like jodhpurs like the, those, those <laughs> yes, big yes. weird poofy like riding pants yeah, um, yeah. and like like the, the, the tall boots they, they they ran out of fabric uh, you know below the knees so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um and, and there's there's even a part in i think episode six maybe where uh Deidre walks in on someone napping and is and and catches him with his like his like lapel open and kind of like dresses him down gently being like like come now you know we need to actually look like we're working here and like you know adjusts his uniform for for him but isn't mm -hmm. that uh the same guy that she uses to basically she she leverages that into getting some sort of yeah, uh, information does. out of him yes yeah she does yeah it's all it, um, it's all it's all it's very gamified the empire mm -hmm. yep. is very like everyone's competing against. Oh shit, that's uh, mm, that, and they 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 show that in later episodes. That isn't that isn't just the bureaucracy. That's all the way down to prisoners in the imperial, mm -hmm. you know, prison mm -hmm. system are are gamified against each other. It's very yep. everyone's competing. I, I I have to emphasize, uh, in the in episodes four to six, they really start leaning heavily on the historical execution of fascism. Mm -hmm. um yep. that was infamously a thing that hitler um would would very intentionally do was like pit you know all his people against each other um and there's there's other historical elements of fascism that are used oh like, you mean like a marketplace of ideas yeah exactly yes exactly <laughs> yes yes you know <laughs> the first among equals um and uh uh you know a a a hotel being taken over and used as like an interrogation slash torture facility and so on and so forth. Like they they yeah. really start leaning heavily on the the actual historical practice of uh, fascism. Well, I mean, I think it starts with uh, Blevin basically uh, dressing down and letting um, Karn know that uh, thanks to his um, you know heroic efforts at uh royally fucking up things that uh basically Primor has uh th that has given the empire pretext to basically just completely take over yeah take the come uh, over and now now shit got real good, good yeah, congratulations you wanted shit to be real now shit is real congratulations yeah, like like the, the 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 empire is now the governing body uh, at the top of Primor corporate zone mm -hmm. you're welcome <laughs> um i i really like the character of Deidre Miro like she's just very well done because she's not she's not charismatic mm, no, she's not no, not at all she's not cruel but she's not like they go out of their way to make her look slightly off-putting right like well she, yeah she looks like she's not made up they, well, they make her look very like stern and mm -hmm. kind of Thatcher-esque I will say and, I, mm. and I'm not sure if it's a combination of makeup and lighting 
but she looks yellowish. Yes, she looks like sickly. Yes, yeah, sickly, and and she's got like this fr- like permanent frown on her face. Yes, <laughs> I guess I guess uh, she was told to smile way too many times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, but there's and there's a great thing that I, I don't know if they've ever really brought this up in Star Wars. They show that the Empire is like sexist. Mm-hmm. Um, this is great line where Partygas, her boss, is like, so, so she's very conspicuously the only female Imperial that we, s- I don't think we see anyone else. No, there was, there's, there's another, there's another, um, there's another woman in the first meeting sequence, but she's, you only see her from behind. Oh, uh, she, she doesn't she get a, like a fired brief, or something or like escorted uh, out? She gets dressed down, yeah. uh, very quickly and then they move on to, uh, the guy that doesn't have his uh, status report or whatever. <laughs> uh, his I, memorandum I of filed those TPS report. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, um, but the, there's, there's this great line where Partigas kind of like she she uh, Deidre kind of gets like gets like her hand slapped a bit, and Partigas pulls her aside and is like, "Look, we're trying to do a better job with your kind, um, but you're really going to have to toe the line." Uh, don't let everyone else down, basically. And at first I'm like, oh, is she like, is she like an alien or something? I was like, oh no, by your kind, he means women. Mm-hmm. Like they're showing that the empire is, is not just, not just that they're sexist, um, but that they are ca- kind of callously using the opportunity for advancement to be, to be, you know, the token woman as a way to basically goad her into being more brutal and cruel than everyone else and to make or, her or, nastier than everyone yeah, else. Yeah. And, and, but then the other, the other option would be glass cliff territory. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't let, don't fail women everywhere. You don't want to let, let women mm-hmm. down. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I, this is, I guess it's important to note that, um, that, uh, you know, Blevin, who she is in sort of like a, a minor rivalry over, um, you know, like a, a, a dispute over, ju- you know, jurisdiction, because, um, in the, in the, um, the reports from Ferrix, which is Blevin, uh, Lieutenant Blevins, uh, uh, purview, right? Um, she, she hears that the Starpath unit, the one that, um, Andor was trying to sell was left behind and it was recovered, right? At the scene. And she, that's one of her units that she's apparently been like, she had left yes. it out like a breadcrumb to see if someone would snap it up. Uh, which then interestingly complicates like, um, Andor's story where he's like, oh, yeah, I just walked aboard and they let me have you know, like they didn't pay attention and I, I took it. Oh, I know? missed that. I completely missed that. It was like well, that, that's when he's out. when he's talking to Luthan. No, I, he's I, like, I remember that. I didn't realize that she had had implied that she kind of let it be captured. Hmm. Yeah, I, I maybe maybe it's because a lot of the show is um, is not really spelled out in like, a you know, this is a and here's B and this leads to C. Uh, there's a lot of it that is sort of implied or inferred. Um, and I always like the fact that she's keeping her eye out for that particular star path unit. Um, led me to believe that it it was sort of like a you know like it, it's it's basically 
uh, her, 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 the leaving something around to see if it'd be snapped up and, mm-hmm. and if that led to anything interesting, which of course, you know, this is the thing, right? Uh, again, uh, regarding, um, you know, like, like fascist, uh, uh, you know, or police states, uh, you, you sort of, everything can be entrapment, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. We, we, we don't necessarily know whether that is exactly what she was doing. I'm perhaps, uh, intuiting that based on what I, what I, what I think, but also like, it wouldn't be incorrect, incorrect. If it's a police state, like you just sort of like, yeah, well, guess what? (laughs) We left something out Mm -hmm. and it's surveilled. And guess what? You, you walked past it. Now you, I'm going to bring you in for questioning. So anything could be a fishing expedition. So we're rapidly approaching the two hour mark. So we should probably start wrapping this up. <laughs> probably. Um, but, but the actual heist is a terrific sequence. Mm-hmm. It's tense. It's unclear what's going to happen. There's, they take, they take, you know, uh, someone's spouse and child hostage. And they're very specific, like threatening the child. Like this, this actually shows the rebellion basically acting like terrorists, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're taking hostage, like civilian hostages. They're threatening that they clearly don't intend to kill them, but they're specifically saying, we're going to kill them if you don't do what we say. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting because all this stuff typically happens off screen. Even in Rogue One, the the story that was ostensibly about you know the dark side of of the rebellion, um, and you know the, the, this this gets more in Episode Seven and Eight, but they actually start kind of exploring the different you know factions and different methods within the rebellion such as it is but it's it's really neat to see them actually like how they're doing things the small group you know tricking their way into this big facility and executing it um it's neat to see everything coming to a head with with Deidre and uh Mon Mothma who doesn't have a whole lot to do but it is it, you know you, you kind of get this it, it is neat to see like the the political functioning of the empire mm-hmm. Um, and then ultimately it ends with, you know, I, I think, I think as soon as Nemec appeared, we all knew he was going to fucking eat it. It was pretty clear. <laughs> He's yeah. He, he had dead meat. Uh, yeah. Um, like his call is, sign would have been dead meat. Yeah. But it is br- fucking brutal how it happens. Yes. Um, I well, was and not only, oh shit, dude, not only that, uh, go, I, and I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, 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 I was going to say when they were loading those heavy pallets onto that transport and they're just sitting there. I was like, are you really not going to secure that load? Really? And I <laughs> yep. was like, maybe this is just bad writing. And no, it turned out to be good writing because they specifically show it just sitting there. And then, of course, when they take off, it all slams to the back and it fucking crushes the spine. Yeah. Um, yep. And you hear yep. the crunch and they zoom in on the face and he's like, oh, boy. And it's, uh, you know, and well, he's 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 dying. And they're kind of like, but we need you to fly this. We need you to tell us. where. Yes. To, oh, God, to, that was so fucking bleak, ship. dude. Yeah. yeah, they 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 basically they 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 do the adrenaline shot uh, just so that he can give yeah. and or the 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 coordinates because he's got the astropath, uh, the astro. Uh, mm-hmm. What is it? The astro astrogation or astropath unit. Yeah, yeah whatever. whatever yeah. Um, 
so that they can navigate through the eye, right? Because that's, that is in fact the whole thing. They were going to use the eye as cover to get out of, yep. you know, get out of the planet's atmosphere. Um, and then, you know, you know, it didn't matter how many, uh, TIE fighters the, the neighboring base sent after them. They couldn't get past it because that is the other thing that is great about, um, this whole sequence is that, you know, they set up the, the, the the air the the air force base or whatever uh uh nearby as like this other menace because oh, they have like these tie fighters just like zoom by and do flybys like maverick style and they're terrifying they're they're fucking terrifying and once th- this whole sequence happens right as we're we're juggling the idea of poor poor young nemic um, who, who we, uh, we, I suppose we're, you know, I, I sort of really like the character. We're sort of like agonizing about him, like being med spiked and he's just being kept alive so that he can give the coordinates. Yep. Uh, you see the TIE fighters going after them and slowly the particulate, uh, you know, that, that creates the, the phenomenon of the eye, which looks fantastic. It looks great. Uh, like it's, it's bright and colorful and, and just looks really great. Um, given that they're TIE fighters, they don't have shields. They don't have shit. They just immediately like within two or three impacts from these meteorite fragments, just, they just explode. They're gone. Uh, also great shot of like, uh, almost out of the, like, uh, something out of like the TIE fighter game or something like that, where they, they show the, uh, the sky, you know, all lit up mm-hmm. from the eye. Uh, and you see the, the, the pilot sort of like climbing into the TIE fighter. Beautiful shot. Just mm-hmm. lovely. Also, you know, sort of interesting and, and something I, I don't think, I don't think we've seen, uh, that type of, uh, shot before. But anyway, um, anyway, uh, yeah, the, 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 the heist ends with poor Nemec, <laughs> just like, not being able to feel his legs, giving the coordinates, they go. And then, uh, basically Vel sort of like dithers. They've lost like three people out of the, Mm -hmm. the, uh, original six. Um, well, they, they, they've lost, uh, Tamarin. They've lost, uh, what was the, the officer's name again? Shit. I want to say Groot. Gorn. Gorn. Gorn, <laughs> named it's after funny. a Star Trek villain. It, it, do, do they call him Lieutenant or Lieutenant? Because Deidre, I think they specifically say pronounce it Lieutenant. Lieutenant, yeah. And I feel I think, like I feel like Gorn. They might say Lieutenant, which is which is a funny. I believe yes. I believe it is Lieutenant. Yes. Um, and then hmm. Sinta, who manages to just basically walk away, like she's the lone one, and she she you know basically before any of this happens. Uh, you know, reassures Val that yeah, she'll she'll be fine. She's she's been fine before. She'll be fine this time too. Um, and you know, we we don't know what her fate is at the end of the episode, but um, basically, uh, they they brow they sort of browbeat he uh, Skeen and uh, Andor sort of like browbeat Val into giving him mm-hmm. the coordinates to the Doctor so that they can at least have a chance to. I love save the Doctor Nemec. with his four oh, yeah. arms. With his four arms and his weird uh, bionic eyes, mm-hmm. he looked like the the eyes reminded me of um, Bateau from Ghost in the oh, Shell. Oh yeah. Uh, he also looks sort of like the Maz Kanata uh, design, but like human sized. Mm-hmm. 
anyway, um, and that's where Skeen comes mask off, tells, uh, uh, you know, basically makes a proposal to, uh, to Andor that, uh, yeah, you know, we, you know, I, I, I'm more of a rebel, uh, more of a rebel in the sense that uh, it's me against everyone else. Uh, and they, he offers to split the, um, split the heist between them and, uh, fuck off and leave, the, leave them high and dry. Yep. Yeah. And again, the truism, what does Andor do? He shoots first. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's and it's it's well done because I like it, it even like it occurs to you while you're watching this scene that like, well, they're away from the others. Skeen has just made an offer. But hanging over it is the fact that if uh if Cassian says no, he's not gonna be like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, my bad. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, we'll go, we'll go back to the regular plan. Yeah, and and so it's it's not really unexpected when he sh- there's really nothing else that he can do. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah. it's it's an interesting it's an interesting character beat because on the one hand it's callous, right? That mm-hmm. he's just like, well, I'm just going to kill this guy. But on the other hand, one, it's self preservation, and two, he is in his own weird way. For what seems like reasons he doesn't entirely understand is kind of protecting the rest of these, you know, people that he views as well-meaning idiots, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, he clearly yeah. doesn't think much of their of their movement, but he's like, well, I, you know, he kind, he has some degree of sympathy for them. So, it's it's a really well-done character moment, and it's it's the sort of thing that I think is would need it, it it doesn't go explained he doesn't say anything about it he doesn't say you know i had to kill him blah like he 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 goes in and tells them what happened and is like look i'm taking my cut and i'm out of here later mm-hmm. well and he gives uh he gives uh the the memento that luthan had given him yes as like a yeah as like a an incentive to stick around uh back and he says yeah make sure it gets back to him mm-hmm. um yeah i mean th- this uh it it is a, an interesting way to then uh, sort of go ahead and uh, reset uh, Andor's uh, trajectory, right? Because the 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 obvious uh, place that he's going to go is back home to Ferrix. Yep, and mm. I I genuinely had no idea how the plot was going to continue from here, and it mm-hmm. it's it's good. It's good how it yes. does continue, which we which we can yes. talk about next time. So yes, yeah. we will be talking about that next we time. We should probably uh, do closing thoughts. <laughs> yes. Yes. Probably, <laughs> yes. But my clothing's thoughts are that a heist set in the world of Star Wars is like the only thing I ever wanted. Like it's it's such a perfect like idea. I think Star Wars is such a unique setting that um putting it in different kind of like genres is just makes total sense to me. And that's why I think that, you know, that the, the newer movies really failed on. Um, mm-hmm. So this, this works and it helps that they actually have like talent behind the scenes. Um, and uh, like not your kind of like standard streaming talent, but like actual, like a list mm-hmm. Hollywood talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just kind of let them go. It's also the, the best looking of the star Wars shows. And I, it, 
probably uncoincidentally, it's also the one that was not shot mostly on that volume soundstage Fuck they have. Fuck that shit, man. Yeah. They, Fuck it. They yeah. actually do what this built did and go to Scotland and just fucking film a mountain. Yep. They and add some TIE fighters fe- in post. Ferrix <laughs> is a Ferrix is like several acres of a set. Yep. Exactly. So um, so yes, they yeah. filmed on set. Yep. Yeah. Imagine it, it shows. Yeah, um exactly. Uh, anyway, uh Kurt. Um it's it's well done in every respect. Uh I I would almost say that I wish it weren't Star Wars. Um, because like it really does it doesn't need to be Star Wars, but I like what it does with the Star Wars setting because it actually it's not really it's not really commenting on it, right? Like there's there's very little in it that I would say is a comment on any other Star Wars media. It's not doing the thing that the sequels often did where they were like, "Oh, so you thought this, but actually I've got a surprise for you, person in the audience." It's what what it's much more doing is saying, "Okay, well let's take this this well-trodden setting and let's try taking it seriously." It's kind of doing in a very different way, um, what something like The Dark Knight Returns did mm-hmm. for comic books back in the day. But at the same time, it's doing it in a different way. It's it's not saying, what if Star Wars was all shitty and and a bummer? It's saying, like, well, what, what, what if we took it seriously and we said, well, what does this stuff actually look like? You know, let's pull away from the sci-fantasy aspect and – and treat it like its foundation. Um, and I think it really, really works. It, it feels like the stakes are better. Um, you know, the, the story is more interesting. It's, it's feels, it feels like the opposite of fan service. Like it's, it's kind of like it's, it's service to me particularly. And I would consider myself a star Wars fan, but, but it is eschewing all of the easy prestige TV, you know, bits uh and it's eschewing all of the easy star wars bits and it's just saying we can do this and make good tv um that is treats the audience like adults and not need any of the you know the the lazy tricks and i i really i i applaud it for that i i i'm not surprised to find out that it's been like a little bit divisive with people um but to chris's point it is nice to see people, someone actually doing with, you know, branded IP, such as it is, the the thing that's always been promised, which is, oh, well, it's like they took, you know, it's like they took Avengers and they're doing, you know, a heist film. And it's like, well, not really, because they, they clearly are just, they're, they're, they're just saying that in the PR. And this genuinely actually feels like that for once. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a really strong decision. And it also kind of taps into uh, to get back to the fan stuff it, it is what i liked about about the star wars expanded universe when i was a kid and i was reading it, it was like oh like here are slightly more nuanced tales about a big universe with a lot of storytelling possibility and it's not purely just like hey re- remember this it's actually expanding the horizon and um we haven't said anything about the soundtrack the soundtrack is terrific the mm-hmm. casting is terrific. The acting is terrific. It's 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 just all good. So you know, if, if this winds up being like like a weird you know flop, um, then at the very least, I will be very excited to see what Tony Gilroy does next. Yeah, I I I'd heard that they 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 greenlit a second season. I thought this was just the 
a limited series, you know, like the 12 episodes. I hope so. Cause I mean, it's, it's fine. Um, yeah. I, I, I will say that if they don't really like fumble it at the end, um, uh, you know, basically I, I would be open to a second season, but you know, I'd also cast a, a jaundiced and, and very suspicious eye upon it. Um, in part because, uh, that's where it starts to, <laughs> It starts to feel like they're probably going to do, you know, like stuff that makes you do the Leo pointing at the TV screen. It's like, oh, yeah, Star Wars story. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That would would be great. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Um, Yeah. So so I think my last thoughts are uh, yeah, very much in line. Uh, I did not have uh, the, the expanded universe. Uh, stuff i i did not really read a lot of that um a, a lot of that uh stuff you know afterwards but um i i do feel like this is expanding and sort of grounding uh star wars in a way uh that i have not seen like for instance i've i've compared this on you know favorably uh to to something like uh obi-wan where that obi-wan show was such such a dud uh it did it did absolutely nothing for me in part because this is happening on basically you know occupied tatooine and they're sitting there like oh yeah you know just yelling at each other across the street like you like you trained anakin and you're like (laughs) you're just gonna say that name uh just like (laughs) Like, like also like just scenes where they're uh, supposedly, you know, oh, in a much more occupied uh, planet. And it's it feels like um, it feels like the Disney ride version of like a Blade Runner set, <laughs> like where at any given moment uh, you might see the stormtroopers come file out and start to do a dance number instead of be <laughs> menacing. Uh, and all of this is to say that a, a, a show that is happening more or less at the same time period as this is happening Um does just feels cartoonish uh and and also it feels like what happens there is that whenever you add jedi uh any danger is made to feel uh you know is written almost Mm -hmm. to feel like it it's just it's nothing and uh it should not be because uh let's like one of the 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 one of the lasting legacies of the prequels uh, is that Order sixty six happened. So you know any mention of Jedi is basically oh oh there's a Jedi. Uh, well I guess he wasn't Jedi after all, but we killed him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know that type of thing. Um, it, none of this feels that way, and Andor definitely feels that way. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm so glad for it because honestly, the Empire feels menacing in a way that uh, you know, kid me watching you know Darth Vader stalk down a corridor and like just basically grab a a, a poor uh, a poor guy by the throat and throw him uh, it did to me when I was seven, you know. Uh, anyway, just watch it, folks. Everyone, <laughs> like everything here is quality. You could have watched uh, I, three episodes in the time that you've listened to us talk about it. So if you yes, have it, what's wrong with you? Go watch it. Go watch it. Get off the get, get off the podcast. But thanks for listening. 
and we'll catch you next time here on Podside. Wait, we didn't even talk about when Jar Jar showed up. Oh, <laughs> shit. Bye. <laughs>